Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, the Colorado Rockies podcast on Rocky Mountain Rooftop, a proud affiliate of Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Evan Lang, and with me as always is Skylar Timmons. Hello. And joining us today again is friend of the show, Patrick Lyons. Patrick, how you doing? Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Uh, this is going to be fun. It's uh, It's been an interesting week because last week we had our 100th episode and we had Mac on the show. And this week now we've got Patrick back on the show and it is officially spring training. The Rockies have, what, four games in the books now in, in the last three days. Spring training started on Friday at time of recording. We had a game on Friday. We had a split squad on uh, Saturday. Had a game um, Sunday, time of recording. By the time this goes up tomorrow, we'll have uh, another game uh, coming real real soon um but the rockies are three and one to start the spring and we know the, the actual game results of spring training does not matter it does not matter at all like you don't take the results of the game seriously unless you lose like 20 to nothing or something like that because it's it's against the whole point of spring training but you know fellas it's it's nice to see the the rockies coming out looking you know, fresh and 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 fun so far to start the year. So three and one to start the year. Um, win against uh, Arizona, win against Oakland, and today win against the Brewers, and then a loss against Arizona. But you know, overall, what are your just sort of basic thoughts on the first couple games of the spring? Uh, I'll just start off. I wanted to say it's just great that it's back. It's so nice to be able to you know post up Rockies TV pulled that up on the TV and like, man, watching Rockies first game of spring training here and drew Goodman calling, calling a game. We got first, take a good look. You won't see it for long. It was just nice to see baseball back on TV on the radio and you know, whatever the Rockies do, we know whether how good that record will be at the end of the season. You know, you're still hopeful at the beginning of spring and that's where I'm at. I'm like, Hey, it's spring training. This is great. Let's see what happens. I've got the same outlook. It's that's one of the beautiful things about baseball is no matter what happens on any given day, there's another game tomorrow where something can happen. And mm-hmm. the entire off season we had no baseball, right? That's just kind of how it goes. So to have it back, regardless of the results, regardless of whether it's an exhibition game or it's going in the standings, regardless if you're on a pace for a hundred losses again, it's baseball. It's still still pretty good. So uh, yeah, no no team. In uh, the Cactus League or Grapefruit League has more than the Rockies. Three wins. The Dodgers also have three. So Monday's matchup is going to be a big one. It's for uh, <laughs> supremacy uh, in, in a, a major way. And Rockies pitching has only given up 13 runs in those four games. Again, 
the results should be very much be, be taken with a grain of salt. But uh, even if they were 0-4, it, it would just be good to have, have baseball back and to, to see a particularly young lineup put out there each and every day and say, hey, the hope is for these young guys to, to go out there and perform and uh, to see them getting those opportunities, I, I think, is, is really positive for a lot of Rockies fans. And it's been nice because so far um, uh, Monday's game or today's game, if you're listening uh, at time this goes up, um, is going to be televised as well. Not by the Rockies, but it will be on TV. But we will have had three of the Rockies' first five games of the spring all watchable. Um, first game, uh, the first two games versus Arizona, rather, were both on the new Rockies TV format. And then... Um, Today's game is going to be televised by the the Dodgers, but you'll be able to you know, overlay the KOA radio or something like that with that. But it's nice to actually be able to watch baseball. Granted, I'm of the opinion that there is no reason why every game of the spring is not televised. Uh, I know that the the games themselves are quote unquote meaningless, but you're I feel like you're just missing out on an opportunity by not televising all the games. Yeah, it, it, we wish we had that lucrative deal like the Dodgers or Yankees have where everybody's glued to that for every game. But at least we're getting a little bit more this year. Six games on TV from the Rockies specifically. And then well, it's like 16 games in total between TV and radio combined. So it's better than it has in the past, I think. We're getting a little bit more this year, which is really nice because I think... In years past, it'd be like, oh, maybe like four games on TV, and one of them's a combined broadcast with the Mariners. And then radio would kind of be off and on. Oh, we'll do four games here, and then we'll be off for maybe two weeks or something like that. So feels a little bit more consistent, more available this year than it has in the past, which is nice. And uh, yeah, better than yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice even when you get, like you said, if, if it's the, the opposing team doing the broadcast, so be it. I mean, most of these games are also on KOA, so you're, you're still getting your – Jerry and Jack there uh, now with with Thomas Harding, uh, you know, peppered in there for a little bit of seasoning, which is which is really nice. So, yeah, it's it's good to have uh, have baseball back on a, on an everyday basis. I think there's maybe only two days in March, which uh, they don't have uh, a game. Uh, they're also playing on February 29th. So, I mean, talk about getting some extra baseball. <laughs> talk about the excitement. Yeah, of your baseball. Play. It's very fun. <laughs> That's uh, that's gonna be something, you know, we we haven't seen in a couple of years, because it's uh, yeah, February 29th of this year, but it's like we've all said, it's it's awesome just to have baseball back and and it really gets you excited for the regular season. And no matter if your team is gonna be bad or good, it just makes you happy to go. Yeah, it's time to watch some baseball. And you know, I was I was bummed out because on uh, on Friday I didn't get to sit down and watch the game at all. Uh, by the time I was finally able to get something pulled up, the game had pretty much just ended. Um, and I got to listen to a little bit little bit on the radio yesterday. But then uh, today, Sunday, was the first day where I got to sit down and just listen to a whole game for the first time this spring. And, oh, man, it scratches an itch. It, <laughs> it, it makes you feel it makes you feel better about life is being able to listen to baseball i uh i live tweeted the whole game from our rocky mountain rooftop twitter account that was a blast uh exhausting though um surprisingly tiring to have to just like tweet every single little thing that happens in the game for two three hours but a whole lot of fun uh but fellas 
what is what are, what are your thoughts so far on the play that we've seen uh, from the Rockies? Are there any guys in the first four games that have really stood out to you? Because I've got to say, for me, it's got to be. And, and right now, um, you know, we don't really know how things are going to go for the rest of the spring. But Michael Tolley has got uh, two home runs and a couple of other hits. And for a guy like Tolia, where he's fighting for a roster spot in what can potentially be a uh, a make or break year for him, is, is really exciting to see. He is currently tied for the lead with three other guys for most home runs in uh, spring training so far with two. And he's really, he's hit the ball well, but he's also really only hitting the ball well when he's hitting as a left-handed hitter. And it makes you go, Maybe just think about doing that all the time instead of continuing to be a switch hitter. But that's all. That's a whole nother can of worms to open. Yeah. Go ahead, there's Patrick. Not, there's not too many switch hitters uh, once they're at this level that give up switch hitting. I, I actually think Ezekiel Tovar was originally signed as a switch hitter yeah. before, you know, just, just sticking to right side. So you kind of work those things out in, in the minors. It's the same thing with Drew Romo, where you look and just say, yeah, no, that's just kind of in his DNA. Once, once you do that, you're, you're never going to give it up despite the, the, the numbers maybe suggesting what happens, you know, for, 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 for all the talk of, Hey, you know, Tolia doesn't hit, you know, left-handers, you know, quite as well from, from the right side or, uh, certainly Drew Romo, that, that's the case. You say, well, Drew Romo has also never hit a left-hander batting left-handed. So, you know, I, what is that, you know, what are those growing pains going to look like? But I think you're absolutely right, Evan. I think Tolia, you know, only three games uh, has looked great. And I think that's certainly notable because he's, he's somewhat, you know, fighting for a spot. You know, he's, he still has some options. Uh, it does seem like Bradley Zimmer will probably get one of those, you know, outfield spots maybe there'll be there'll be two there um so does that mean only bouchard hunter goodman and and tolia can go out there um if zimmer makes the team it, it you know it's it's unclear again sometimes injuries have a way of, of handling this hopefully nobody does get hurt um but but this is obviously a a good start for for tolia get that confidence up you know maybe he's able to start the year and uh, you, you ride the hot hand for a, a little while. I think a lot of the young guys, you know, have gone out there. Carreras on Sunday had uh, two doubles. We saw Jordan Beck uh, with an RBI double in that that opening game. So uh, it's it's promising to see. And you know, there, there there's something that I think Baseball Reference uh, tabulates this. Uh, I don't know that if MLB.com does or not, but they actually will uh, give somewhat of a of a grade or rating to the quality of opponent that they're facing. So, mm -hmm. you know, if someone like, oh, I need to just come up with someone random, Skylar Messenger. Um, so Skylar Messenger, we know, had a, had a huge year last year at Fresno. You could go and look and say, oh, my God, he hit 425 in spring training, you know, maybe 15 at-bats. Is he starting the game and, you know, going against, you know, the, the – actual big leaguers that are going to be in a rotation is he going against a freddie peralta of the brewers and yoshinobu yamamoto uh of the of the dodgers is he going against a merrill kelly you know big leaguers right or mm -hmm. is he doing it late in the game against uh, you know other players that are going to be in high a and double a this year you know there are there are only a, a certain amount of places that you can actually find so that's also part of the taking it with a grain of salt in the grand scheme of things because you know it we don't really have these stats in a vacuum against other big leaguers. Their numbers, and you don't know who they face to uh, 
uh, you know, to, to get these statistics in that small sample size. But overall, man, pretty much everyone seems seems like they're hitting on Sunday, 18 hits. You get seven or eight different guys who had a multi-hit performance. So uh, it, it's going really well. Yeah, it's good to see a guy with like Tolia and a lot of this. It's just building those confidences and getting comfortable at the plate, finding a consistency of sort, I think. Because his problem last year and what's been a problem for him, strikeouts. And so it's just working on that plate discipline. If he wants to stay aggressive, okay. But you can still be smart and be aggressive at the plate. And uh, dingers help out. Dingers will help you out. And uh, it's good to see him out there. Uh, I want to pivot this conversation real quick, too. Uh, The guy that I was kind of looking at or really excited about, opener for spring training, Carson Palmquist. I think he's the one really intriguing and you know, just watching his game, and there's that kind of, will, will he be a reliever, or will they continue to use him as a starter in the future? And watching him, I put this on our Instagram in a story, to me, watching him, is he was the definition of what it means to pitch. And he's not a flame ball, a flamethrower, which, man, if he was. But he's got that <laughs> funky delivery and, and good command of his pitches, was barely missing the zone on some pitches, even considering the spring training umpires at times. Just barely missing. A lot of good movement. Had good amount of strikeouts in his little stint. But he's a guy that I'm really intrigued watching this spring and seeing what he can do this year. Oh, yeah. Carson Palmquist, man, he looked impressive. You know, his not perfect and and of course it's the first game of spring training but the fact that he got through two innings uh, as the starter of the first spring training game gave up one hit and one walk and struck out four batters in what what ended up being a shutout victory for the Rockies he really set the tone for that entire game where the the Rockies pitching staff struck out a total of 16 batters and pretty much every single guy except for Riley Pint that game had multiple strikeouts and Palmquist is one of the ones where I find really intriguing because he's a lefty pitching prospect, which we don't have a ton of. Um, And he's, and like you said, he's not a, a fireballer. He's not a flamethrower. He's got a really interesting pitch mix. He's got a great slider. He's got a great changeup. It's his breaking pitches that he, he feasts on. He, He's kind of like Kyle Freeland in the terms of being a lefty that relies on a bevy of breaking pitches, but his fastball's a lot better than Kyle Freeland's. But, you know, he he really made a statement, I think, in that game of, you know, this is a guy who's going to be probably starting the year in double-A Hartford, but now you have this guy who's putting on watch of, if he's not in the rotation at some point this year, he's definitely going to be gunning for a spot next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he was really uh, really impressive, and uh, like you said, Skyler, it, it, it seemed like coming out of University of Miami, you know, he kind of had reliever written all over him with coming that three quarter you know arm slot, and you know you look what he's been able to do as uh, as a pro going from you know Spokane last year uh, up to Double A and not really having much of a hiccup when he got there to the Eastern League, which is a sneaky difficult league to pitch in, but you know had. Pitch, made four starts uh, and in 22 innings struck out 28 guys. So, you know, that, that potential is there. Him and Joe Rock are two guys I think, you know, are worth getting excited about uh, if they debut in, in the second half. You know, Jeff Criswell, you know, could could beat those guys there. But I think the upside for a Rock and, and particularly Carson Palmquist are very similar. If you go back and watch video of Palmquist, when he's just standing there with his hands at his hip, even the first step back, his body type looks a lot like Kyle Freeland. 
Like I feel like they look really, really similar. Um, and Freeland sometimes can can dip down a little bit where there's there's a little funkiness to it. I think Carson Palmquist is uh, is even a funkier Freeland. So uh, I think that was really exciting. As you said, Evan, 16 strikeouts that would have tied for the most uh, in a game last year in 2023. So hey, it's it's one game, but um, incredibly promising when uh, when usually uh, you, you don't see a performance like that uh, so early. It's kind of funny, but you think about how for years the Rockies tried to replicate Aaron Cook, and now it feels like they've got a couple guys where they're trying to replicate Kyle Freeland uh, in various different ways. Uh, you got Palmquist, you got Sean Sullivan out of Wake Forest from the draft last year. But, you know, speaking about how, you know, coming out of Miami, you wonder if this guy's going to be a reliever. On the other hand, you've got uh, Jaden Hill, who the Rockies have moved from a starter into relief duty. And uh, he made his first appearance in the spring after looking pretty pretty solid over in the Arizona Fall League. Um, Jaden Hill came in as a reliever in one of the games on Saturday and only threw one inning but looked very sharp. Had two strikeouts of his own. Uh, fastball velocity was looking good. He looked, he looked good. He looks good in a Rockies uniform because it says Hill and he's rocking the zero like Adam Ottavino. That took me by surprise mm-hmm. going out on the backfields when uh, pitchers and catchers report and I was, oh, zero. We're doing that thing, huh? That's okay. That's that's really cool. I didn't get a chance to talk with him. I, I wonder if he was if he was aware that that was Adam Ottavino's number and maybe he's channeling uh, something uh, for that. Is it because the number zero is the looks uh, looks more like a hill than any other number i don't <laughs> know like is he on a is he on some other level type stuff right there very well could be uh, he, he yeah, might be uh, judging yeah. on what we heard from him at uh at rocky's fest this year uh sounds like he's, he's a really cerebral guy he thinks a lot about a lot of different things mm-hmm. but uh it's interesting because we haven't issued zero i don't think since auto left no it's not a common number that anybody takes but we're also seeing uh, Bradley Zimmer wearing 27. Uh, first time that's been issued since uh, Trevor Story left. Yeah. So, yeah, some numbers are random. I think somebody I, already picked up 17 for the Angels, too. Yeah, uh, Hunter Dozier. <laughs> that's right. Weird. Immediately given that out, that was strange. I actually thought going through the the complex, uh, I, had, I had seen on, you know, they just have the montage of all great moments and stuff. And there was uh, someone, I don't know that it was Kelly McGregor, but someone was wearing a McGregor Rockies jersey with the number 88 on it. That was his football number. And I thought, oh, I bet you no one has actually worn that. And that's not true. Josh Outman wore it actually two years after McGregor's Mm -hmm. passing, which I thought was kind of strange. That could have been one of those that maybe they set aside like Daryl Kyle's 57, but uh, they didn't necessarily do that. And I think it was given out to to one of the non-roster guys or, or, or one of the minor league players. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Rockies are really odd about numbers to begin with. Like, so now they've reissued Trevor stories, but they've never reissued number five, which was worn by both Matt Holiday and uh, Carlos Gonzalez. Holiday, when he came back, wore number seven, um, which is now Brendan Rogers number. There's been a lot of switch arounds, but y- you never know when they're going to bring something back. Like they, they haven't reissued 28 yet after Nolan Arenado, but. You know, they've reissued a bunch of other numbers. Jonathan Daza, for example, wore number two. Uh, you really just never know what they're going to do with it because the Rockies are so strange about numbers. At this point, honestly, I say if you're not going to reissue five, just actually retire it at this point and give like Matt Holiday and Carlos Gonzalez a cool joint plaque or something. But 
you never know. And it's always funny because you've got the guys that have the big league numbers at camp and you got the guys with the minor league numbers, you know, so the, the dude is wearing number 93 at camp or something like that, that you'll never see issued on a big league Jersey anytime soon for the Rockies. Here's something that you might find interesting. Cause I know I did. I, I don't have all the information on me right now. Coco Montez was not wearing his big league number that he wore last year. Still with the organization, they gave him, you know, a, a minor league number. I, I forget what it was off the top of my head, but I, I just thought that was strange. Of like a guy that you know pitched in the majors last year would have you know gotten his his number previously. I think Matt Carasetti still had you know his number. Riley Pint still had the same one. I think that was a maybe forty one, uh, but uh, Coco Montes did not uh, retain his previous big league numbers on the 40 man roster. Uh, but nevertheless, yeah, he, uh, he didn't keep that number. I, I just thought that was one of those kind of odd quirks. Yeah, that is weird. MLB.com says he's wearing number 85, which, uh, we pull a baseball reference. It says Coco wore number, th- uh, Coco wore number three is his big league number Yeah, last year. And I don't think they've issued that no. to anybody. I'd have to look at the, the current Rockies active roster and all the camp invites and things like that. Uh, Kara City is also interesting because I, I think he actually changed his number. Uh, he might have been wearing 29 in camp, something like that, perhaps. So he wore 62 uh, in the big leagues last year, and he oh. is wearing, I think, uh, 29 on the roster right now. It's uh, it's weird. But n- numbers are weird. Baseball players are are very strange, superstitious weird people when it comes to uh what numbers they're wearing yeah uh per mlb.com currently um looks like he's wearing number 29 Hmm. but uh speaking of uniforms we're gonna take a quick break (laughs) good and uh when we get back to it there's a little bit more to talk about about these new uniforms some new stuff that's come to light over the last week or so so stick around we'll be right back Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. I am Evan. Joining me, as always, is Skyler and our special guest in front of the show, Patrick Lyons. <laughs> as we alluded to right before the break, uh, we were talking uniform numbers. And that brings us to the topic of the actual uniforms this year. Uh, we talked about it a little bit last week, the quality of the new uniforms, <laughs> Nike and Fanatics, is rather questionable, to say the least. Um it's been definitely going around where they, you know, players don't really seem to like it. They have been told that uh, various media outlets have told them that, you know, they look cheap. They feel cheap. Um, you've got all the changes where the MLB Batterman logo is moved down the back and it looks out of place. The nameplate is much, much smaller. Um, something that always strikes me is the, the patches look very cheap. Um, I was at the Rockies dugout store the other day and was looking at some of the new uniforms and the patches are just like a flat screen printed onto a patch and then ironed on logo. They just, they don't look nice. Like they don't look good at all. The whole thing is really cheap. The material feels terrible. Like I held one of the new ones and one of the old ones side by side, just one year apart. And the material feels so much worse, but Fellas, the big controversy point over the last week is the pants. 
the the pants have been drawing a a lot of attention from you know players complaining that they don't fit right that they're not able to make uh, customizations. Former Rockies reliever Carlos Estevez said that it feels like he's wearing someone else's pants because he doesn't have them customized to fit him correctly. Like that's not an option that they were doing. Um, it came out uh, today that the Los Angeles Dodgers flew a seamstress out to meet them in Arizona to do <laughs> pants customizations because the players were so unhappy with the pants. You have multiple guys from multiple teams saying how much they think the new jerseys look bad, that the pants look bad. And then you've got MLB coming out and saying, you know, trying to cover itself where they keep saying, oh, it's the it's the same pants as last year. Y'all are crazy. But then at the same time going, well, the fabric is new and it's so much more lighter and breathable. And the big part that comes with it being more lighter and more breathable is uh, the transparency, as it were, that we are getting from players at unprecedented levels this spring, uh, sharing more than w- more with us than we've ever seen before. And that's because you can see everybody's junk right through the pants. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, the, the first thing that came out, there was a, it was a picture day from the San Francisco Giants and one of their players. I forget who, and I feel so bad for this guy because I do not think this is what he wanted this spring as his narrative is that, you know, he's sitting in the picture room and you can very clearly see uh, the cash and prizes as it were. And it's just, it's gotten worse and worse. We've had people saying they can see things that you're, uh, you're not supposed to see during a major league baseball game. It's a family sport. Um, but even then the pants are so see-through that you can see the jerseys tucked in. You can see like the jock tags through the pants. I was watching the, um, the Red Sox twins game this morning before the Rockies were on. And I commented, it's like, the pitcher, because his jersey's tucked in, it looks like he's wearing a diaper because <laughs> he's got the white jersey all tucked in so far down uh, past his back. It it just looks so bad. And and Patrick, I want to start with you because you've been kind of around some of the clubhouses. You know, I'm not going to ask you to name any names or anything like that, but what's the general feeling around Arizona about these new uniforms and about the pants especially? Well, at Rockies camp, the first few days, everyone pretty much was like, yeah, every, everything's fine because they they felt fine. And by they, I just mean the jerseys. The Rockies were still wearing their 2023 pants for, you know, the first week after pitchers and catchers reported they didn't bust out the the new pants until photo day, which I want to say was Thursday of, of this past week. So that was the first time getting a chance to to see those getting um, a little of the behind the scene access to, to compare the 2023 pants to the 2024 pants. They are a little bit thinner. The material feels very similar, um, just a little bit thinner. So I think, you know, in, in the hot months of the season, that will benefit the players. Um, you know, maybe they would prefer a little bit more privacy to the comfort, but uh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe in, you know, on, on a hot day uh, in, in Kansas city in, in the summer, they'll, they'll like, uh, that that breathability and boy they they'll really breathe. They did change the the loops that are that are in the front, so uh, uh, that looks a, a little bit different. And 
the uh, and the color the the color of the of the white is a little creamier. Uh, in fact, this is I don't know if I, I had mentioned it before on on previous podcasts. I had always thought that the City Connect jersey with you know it's it's green the the base of it is is green around the torso and then up towards the shoulder it's it's white i had always thought that the the white on the sock particularly a garrett hampson you know he, he hikes those pants up that the white on the sock was vibrant it, it looked like white and it and on the jersey it was very dulled right uh, and that's because they that was the material that's what i've been told is that the material on the city connect was the the material that they're using now so it's subtle you're probably not going to notice it especially because the jersey and the pants are made of the same fabric um so you know it'll be slightly you know discolored uh a little creamier but you know the the players that only recently started you know wearing that um how it feels to them it, it it's fine so far you know how it looks on the back obviously is a is a totally different thing uh, one of the members of the of the coaching staff uh, of one of the camps I went to did say on one of the first day, like these are going to be a problem. Um, I think that probably has a lot more to do with you know new guys that are in camp, um, which is true of just about any team, right? There's the 26 man roster, and and maybe you're stretching it out to you know 30 or 35 guys you know you're going to be using early on in the season, but you're inviting nearly double that uh, to your big league camp, so. You're not you're not you're not gonna know the numbers, right? Um, you're gonna only look at the names, and some of the names don't look great. Jake Bird is one of those guys. I think you you mentioned it on the show last week. That's one where I mean, I I knew I was looking at Bird, and it just didn't look great. It almost seems like if you've got like five to six or five to seven letters in your name, it it it's a little bit more legible, like it looks a little bit better. But if you have any less than that or any more than that, it it doesn't fit. Uh, I will say after a couple days. You kind of forget that, you know, you, you forget how small those letters are and you just, you focus on, on the baseball, which I think is true of, you know, a lot of different things for anyone that complained about the bases being really big. Everyone kind of got over it. And I think that makes sense. I think, I think most baseball fans really weren't complaining about the bases, you know, being that much bigger. Yeah. They looked much bigger in comparison, but for the most part, I think we all knew it was going to be a big deal. The netting, everyone really complained about at first. Uh, and then, kind of was forgotten about because it's you know you're able to see through them the jerseys i i i don't know it's going to go away as quickly i think people are going to forget i don't think it's going to be a huge part of the narrative because we're going to have games to talk about uh but there are going to be people that you know every time they go to try to buy a jersey and they they just see what it looks like and and see how it's just not what was uh, on the market the last few years you know you'll be disappointed but again because it's the only game in town, I think I think people will get over it, but but probably not as quickly. And and you shouldn't have to get over it. No one should have to get over it because it just unequivocally does not look good. The numbers are the same, but the the names, uh, even if the quality, even if the iron on, you know that that business stayed, and even if the the, the patches on the sleeves were the way they they are, which you're right, Evan, just it's not as nice as, as what they had previously. Even if even if they just got the letters right, you go, ah, it's a step in the wrong direction, but at, at you yeah. could get you could get get by with it. The fact that the letters are so off, that's it's kind of glaring. It's it's not good. What I think is and, and Skyler, I want to hear your thoughts on this in a second as well. But what I think stands out to me about the uniform tops right now is that they are actively and visibly inferior to last year where it's like i don't mind them being heat pressed it, it's cheaper than them having to stitch everything i don't love it but 
like I'm wearing a, a jersey right now that was one of the heat pressed ones um, from last year, but it's got at least, you know, finer detail on it. The patches look better. One of the patches on mine is even sewn on because it's got the, um, the all-star patch from 2021, but they've been using like the previous uniforms were perfectly fine, but now they've gone to this, what is actively an inferior product. It looks worse. It feels worse. And they're charging more for it. And I think the fact that the players don't like them. So I remember when cool base and flex base came out, there were complaints about those. But not nowhere, not anywhere near to this degree. And I, I think the fact that the players' union has had to address something, and now Nike's had to come out and say multiple things to address it, and MLB's got to be trying to cover their butts about this. I think it's going to be a little different. I think it's not impossible that we see something change, but all we can do is wait and see. But uh, Skyler, what are your thoughts on all this? I think the main thing is the there's growing up, you no know, that family that doesn't make as much money. No replica jerseys have always been the, I think that's the big thing is making sure those replicas are going to fit the mold of being a replica as opposed to the authentics of what the players are wearing, because then there's not really much difference of what's the difference between a authentic and the no replica. No, you you expect to pay more for the authentic because it's basically one-to-one to to what the players are wearing. You expect the replica to be a little, oh, maybe a little cheaper feel. It can be maybe it's a little bit more hand no heat pressed or thing. Yeah, I think the big thing for me is just no, just don't try to pull the wool over consumers' eyes or fans. Yeah. No, MLB like the pants have always been like this. Like, mm, I don't remember seeing a lot more hot dogs at a game than in the past. No, but it's I think it's it's just a matter of you know, if we have to deal with it this year, whatever, but change it for next year yeah and just fix it because now once you get on i'll be watching them on tv pants look fine on tv like i'm not gonna be worried about them it is pretty dumb that they are so sheer and you can just tell the cheapness of a lot of things of just companies and business trying to save money which i understand but don't try to always be watching your bottom line and put out an inferior product well that's what's crazy to me because I definitely agree, Skyler. Like the replicas are supposed to be your entry level that you're not having to pay as much money for, but they're a hundred and seventy-five dollars this year, and they're not particularly, I would say, worse than the authentics. I've looked at the authentics that they are charging four hundred and fifty dollars for, which is the most expensive jersey outside of like the uh, the made in Canada special edition ones you get in like some NHL jerseys that are for like the real crazy collectors. Four hundred and fifty dollars for a jersey with a with an ironed on sponsor patch and heat sealed graphics and nameplates and numbers. That is an absurd cost and the fact that the the prices are also high even for the replica ones for and what is actively an inferior product from years past like i have jerseys from all throughout i've never really gotten the authentics because they're so expensive i don't mind wearing replicas it's just i like jerseys i like wearing jerseys and i don't want to spend a fortune on them i i've had jerseys from the russell athletic days i have jerseys from early majestic cool base flex base the the early nikes and these are just objectively speaking the worst of the bunch 
these are the worst major league baseball jerseys in my lifetime. And I'm even, I'm even thinking about the old majestic replicas where they didn't have the two tone numbers and nameplates. They don't have front numbers and they're made of, they're so thick uh, the material compared to when we got cool base and some of the other materials. And these ones are just, you know, it's bad for consumers. Silver lining, all, silver lining to all of this, the memes. Memes will make <laughs> everything. That's the silver line you can take away. There have been some good memes about the pants. <laughs> Spirit Halloween, you know, comparisons. Like there's, there you go. <laughs> there's definitely something with that. Yeah, the, the price is, is a bit surprising. Uh, I got like an early look at the team store for the Diamondbacks and I, you know, look at a hat and like, oh, this is cool. How much does this cost? There was like a trucker style cap, you know, where it's foam in the front and, you know, just iron on you know, good, good style. So it didn't look cheap, but we know that the, like a trucker style hat is the cheapest. And that was like forty one ninety nine. And then, you know, like a nice corduroy cap, which, you know, is very much in style right now was like 53 bucks. And it's sort of like, oh, wow. Like. I remember when fitted caps were the most expensive caps yeah. and they slowly started to creep up. And I, I don't know if they're $60 yet, but um, they, they would slowly creep up. This seems like they really jumped up. There was a nice, uh, just a white t- white long sleeve Rocky shirt and uh, black, just black lettering on the front and back. Just looked really clean. And I just was curious of the price and it was $70 for a, a white t-shirt. And, you yeah. know, so I, I, I just... The, the the value of a dollar, I, I think, is, you know, we, we know isn't what it used to be, but it really seems to have jumped up a lot in just the past year. Yeah, I think that's for a lot of things. I don't want to get all political, ooh, but sure, it really sure. is. No, it's it's the corporations, especially with sports, where there's really only one game in town when True. it comes to retailers, and that's Fanatics. Even if there's other brands, they're like New Era and, and stuff like that. But they are trying to squeeze as much money from the consumer as they possibly can because you've got nowhere else to shop. There's a couple teams out there in professional sports that have their own online shop, their own pro shop. But most of them are through Fanatics. You do not have a choice otherwise. And Patrick, you posted earlier uh, today at time of recording, you posted, you know, oh, all the jerseys that you can buy on the MLB shop for the Rockies. And there's only like five players which is double than what it's been. <laughs> and yeah, the fact that that's an improvement. <laughs> sure. But also, you know who they don't have available is Ezekiel Tovar and Nolan Jones. Or Brenton Doyle. Or Brenton Doyle. Or Herman Marquez. You can find, at least you can finally get Todd Helton and Larry Walker. That's true. <laughs> they, 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 those two haven't, I've always been looking and like, oh, Chris Bryan. Okay, I really don't want that jersey. No, Blackman already got one of those. And then... It was you'd have to go do the custom player, but now at least they've had the option. Custom players, I think it's like 150 for whatever custom active players you can do retired players custom as well. So there's at least better. So there's more variety now, but yeah, it's a lot of it goes back to just pricing. Like what are what are we doing? Yeah, wonder- what's sorry. Go ahead, Patrick. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I wonder how much uh, the impetus for this was just something about, you know, we obviously we had we're just coming out of like there being so many supply chain issues of, hey, let's let's get this product in people's hands as quickly as possible. Well, how can we do it? 
as as cheaply as possible. I, I know that <laughs> the cheap isn't isn't really being applied to the the price uh, that's being charged for them, but to be able to go into the team store and they can just you know heat press your name onto a jersey a lot quicker. I, I, who knows if, if fanatics found like you know there's a lot of studies of people who like to do those kind of things, and so all of a sudden you know let's let's find out a way to to do that. Um, I heard from somebody. Uh, from MLB that, you know, one of the reasons why the, the jerseys look the way they do, and uh, unless I misunderstood this person, it, it seems a bit um, ass, back, ass backwards, to use a phrase, but <laughs> but um, that, oh, now the jerseys that the players are wearing will look like the ones that the youth teams are using. Because, you know, I, I think some of the jerseys look good some some jerseys look good the lettering looks looks right mm-hmm. it's usually um the women's jerseys the women's jerseys are the ones where like the numbers are a little bit smaller and the lettering is very small and it doesn't doesn't you know replicate what's being on the field i sort of get the sense that that's what um that these new jerseys look like so if the reason was to say oh well we want the youth teams to look like the majors and we can't really increase the the cost of these youth jerseys for these travel clubs or little league teams whatever it may be well then maybe we'll just bring down the quality of the of the major league product and and continue to charge as much um that was the understanding of what i was told um how how true that is or not remains to be seen but if if that was the thought process behind it again Ass backwards, back ass words, which, whichever way you want to say it. <laughs> that sounds to me, Patrick, not to uh, insult anyone like they were pulling something out of their behind. Uh, no, <laughs> it, they, they sold it to me as if that was like legitimate. I'm like, why? but why would you want to do that? Why would you want to worsen <laughs> that, that product? Yeah. Why um, not just try and make a better looking product for youth teams then? Because I tell you what's been really crazy to me, and and we'll wrap this segment up here in a minute. You know, college baseball's in full swing right now. And some of these college teams have uniforms that are so much nicer than the ones that uh, MLB is rolling out for this spring. They just look better. And, And that's what's wild to me is like college is college. Now you've got the four, the four profit major league organization your players are getting paid millions of dollars a year you're making millions of dollars a year on merchandise sales and this this is the best you've got and and i tell you what it's doing it's driving up the uh the prices in online circles of the old jerseys specifically the old cool base and flex base majestics uh in a lot of collector's circles people are talking about how they're trying to get their hands on as many of those as possible before they're all gone because just in terms of jersey collectors, nobody likes these. And I had to tell the poor clerk at the at the Rockies store uh, when they tried to sell me one of the new jerseys of just like, I'm sorry, man, I'm not sold on these. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mess, but what are we gonna do, I guess? Yeah, I mean <laughs> it is what it is. Em. What yeah. what I will tell you is it does not sound like these are flying off the shelves. A couple of other our other writers at SB Nation um, who are down in spring training where they're selling these, like they've got all these jerseys for sale for all the people who are flying out to watch spring training games, is like they'll go there, you can see them and they go in a store and they're buying hats and they're buying other stuff, and it does not sound like these jerseys are flying off the shelves. I think, and I and I think it's a mix of it's the cost and it's the quality, and I mm-hmm. think that's really the only way that 
MLB, Nike, and Fanatics are going to make any changes is if people don't buy them. It'll be interesting to see if uh, when they release like top 10, top 15 best-selling jerseys, if there's a lot of players who just change teams. We know Otani's going to be number one. But if, if, if you start to see like, oh, well, people are buying this guy's jersey – well, maybe it was because it was never made available before. Yeah. So that could yeah. be, you know, that's true. A, a part of the equation. Like, so, you know, that, yeah. that's just like an interesting thing to, to, to keep an eye on uh, when it comes to those sales. Mm-hmm. But uh, I assume that this is not the last time you're going to hear us talk about the jerseys. Every time I seem to think it's, it's dying down, something else comes on. There was a, a big piece today about how a bunch of Mariners players are very unhappy with the jerseys. Giants players very unhappy with the jerseys. Um, I really do think this is going to be an ongoing storyline uh, here in the spring. Um, probably one that MLB is not going to be able to shake off despite their best efforts. Because um, like I said, they're, with them doubling down of being like, no, you don't know what we're talking about. The pants are the same as they always were while trying to immediately turn around and say how much better these new pants are. <laughs> um, and talk about how this is the most researched and developed uh, baseball jersey of all time. And it's like, really, you sank all that time and resources into it and it's best to come up with? Um, Dude, how much science actually goes into making a jersey? <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't I don't know how you could, but like you said, yeah. What are you actually doing to get get more out of it? I did also hear that um, previously uh, when Majestic uh, was was making these uniforms, that there were nineteen different shades of gray that teams used, like to to you know just to get it right. And of mm-hmm. course, now uh, Fanatics is just saying like you know, hey, th- this is gray. I don't know. There might be multiple shades of gray that they're using. Uh, not, I've heard not, there's fifty. Sure. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I got nothing nothing to come back on that for. Very good. Very good. But um, oh, he's so pleased with himself over that look one. at him. It was very good. It was very good. <laughs> um but but it's the grays, it's also the whites. So you mentioned the whites earlier is yeah. that you know, everybody had kind of a different white. You had your off whites, you had your bright whites. You mentioned, you know, when you compare the City Connect next to the the socks or next to a current white jersey of how much more vibrant the other white looked and that's because basically all teams now are using the same mildly off-white base for all white uniforms they are all the same and And that's that's uh, that's a manufacturing thing if it's cheaper for them and that's why all of the navies are looking the same. I mean, I think one of the first photos was Atlanta. There was one of, you know, they showed Chris Sale and how the blue looked really washed or the navy looked really washed out and doesn't match what Atlanta had previously been wearing. And, well, there you go, because each team uses like a different shade of of navy. You know, I think as a kid growing up, the navy that the Yankees used was so dark, I I always thought it was kind of black. Mm -hmm. Um, But now, okay, everyone's kind of using the, the same Pantone uh, this the same shade of of navy, so you know that's that's a little disappointing. Those those little stylistic differences between all the teams will be interesting to see. And um, yeah, you you guys need to figure out a couple like prop bets throughout the course of the season. How many times is the player going to be on the field with a letter that's going to be missing on their jersey, where it's going to be falling off? <laughs> How many times you know the the, the name across the the chest is going to be a little bit flappy? There's there's going to be some uh, some interesting things that may happen this season because of the change in uh, in uniform supplier. Yeah. But uh, like I said, probably the not the last time you've heard us talk about this, but we're going to take one more quick break and we come back. Uh, we've got some 
questions and comments for our man Patrick Lyons here, uh, who is boots on the ground in Arizona. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Skyler still appears to be very pleased with himself from his joke at the end of the last segment. <laughs> we just spent like almost 30 minutes talking about pants and jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> I walked right into that one. Well played. But um, we're going to get back to talking about actual baseball now, or, or at least the things around baseball. And that's because, uh, Patrick, you're actually down in Arizona right now. Incorrect. I just got back on Saturday. I drove all day to be here on this podcast. Otherwise, if you hadn't invited me, I would have still been down there. But, you know, I, I like to be at home with my 1987 Tops baseball cards. So, uh, yeah, my coverage is going to suffer greatly because of this invitation. But, hey, that's fine. I'm not holding any grudges. Fine. Well, you were in Arizona. I was. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. N- nine, ten days, whatever it was. Uh, weather was really great uh i can remember a couple of years ago it like snowed i think right when pitchers and catchers were reporting uh the weather can be a little bit wonky but it's actually just just great was there for the the first game so got to see you know the annual salt river fields matchup between the diamondbacks and uh, the rockies which they've been doing back since that uh, ballpark opened in in 2010 it's uh it's it's a beautiful ballpark and, and the Rockies side of things just a beautiful facility you know all together and it's uh, it's a special time because it's you know the games don't necessarily mean anything. Hope springs eternal, and um, you know if, if you're going down there, you're you're on vacation at least in some sort. <laughs> it's probably colder where you're from, um, so it's it's a real respite to be able to go down to Scottsdale and go to any of those ballparks really mm-hmm. in the Phoenix area. Yeah, Jack Corrigan was talking on the broadcast today for the the Rockies Brewers game of all the all the folks from Wisconsin who came down enjoying the nice Arizona weather. Um, my, my question for you: So I've unfortunately I've never been able to make it out there. I feel like every year I say this is the year I'm going to go, and then I don't make it out there. What is your uh, what's your favorite thing about Salt River Field at Talking Stick? Because it really is every time we see it in photo and video during the games, it really is a beautiful looking ballpark. It is. It, it's the best facility. I, the Sloan Park, where the Cubs play in Mesa, is the the newest one, but second newest is is Salt River Fields, and it's just just perfect. I mean, you know, the concourse is is nice and wide. There's plenty of shade. I, I really like Camelback Ranch as well, where the Dodgers and uh, you know White Sox train, but it's a little bit further away, further west of of, of the airport. Uh, but it has like virtually no shade whatsoever so you're just going to bake there not not the case at, at salt river fields you could stand in, in a lot of different places it'd be great uh, if you don't have a ticket for the game you know once the uh, the minor leaguers report i believe this year it's going to be uh march 1st one of the players that i talked to was like yep yeah, no uh we all have to be down here by march 1st so i think physicals are going to be on february 28th this is a leap year so there there's there could be some minor leaguers getting in trouble for <laughs> uh, either either being there a day late or maybe they don't have their Airbnb booked up properly uh, and they're gonna be sleeping on someone's couch uh, because of February 29th this year but if you can uh, if you can go on the backfields when they have those games uh, sometimes they'll even have them at, at night. Uh, and it's it's just so cool it's so laid back and you'll look around and you'll try to recognize some people and you know, of course, you can you can ask, and, and some people know, some people don't. Um, but it's really laid back, and, and you'll look and go, okay, I think that's double A. There's just double A guys over here, and okay, I think this is the triple A team, and they're playing the Angels, and 
you know, under the lights and it, it's really neat. And that's free. That's absolutely free to go on one of those backfields. And then they, they walk off the field and you do have a little opportunity, you know, to, uh, you know, shake hands with a player or, you know, get, get your ball signed. Uh, hopefully if you're, you're a kid, if you're an adult and, uh, and, and you do those kind of things, you know, maybe, maybe let the kids go to, go to the front first and then take out your gigantic, you know, folder of books and have them sign the nine cards that you have perfectly faced out. If that's your thing, uh, so be it. Uh, but you have those opportunities on the backfield if, uh, if you're not able to get a ticket inside of Salt River Fields. Yeah, you always got to let the kids go first. I'm an, <laughs> I'm an autograph seeker, I admit it, but I do it purely for my own. I'm not like, uh, I'm not your Zach Hample. I'm not your, oh, I'm going to wheel around and sell this on eBay for however such and such. Like I have, um, and I, I need to reorganize it, take a photo of it for socials at some point. I have just my collection of, of autograph balls that are signed by Rockies players, current and former, but you always got to let the kids go first. And then when the players like signaling that he's about to be done, then you can go in and be like, Hey man, can I just right before you go? I'm not, I'm that's not gonna, when, that's when you shove the kids out of the way. I'm not going to Zach Hample shoulder tackle a child out of the way to try and get a ball. Signed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a, let us all be like that. Uh, <laughs> the question I wanted to ask you, Patrick, is being around there, Rockies camp and some of the other camps, but what's the vibe that you're getting from that Rockies camp in these early, in those early days of, you know, guys just kind of throwing the ball around, getting warmed up, exercises and workouts until games started. What was the vibe you're kind of getting from, from the Rockies camp? The young guys are definitely hungry. Like that's that's been a big topic of conversation. Whether it's at media day talking with GM Bill Schmidt or talking with you know Bud Black, you know these young guys are are chomping at the bit, and there's there's not too much getting in their way uh, in in terms of veterans. As far as the young guys themselves, you know they're they're leaning on the vets. You know they're looking to see what what Charlie does uh, as that as that clubhouse leader and what he's doing. You know to uh, you know to make the most of of his time. You know speaking with Brenton Doyle. Um, you know, he said something that, you know, he's going to be doing this season that he was able to pick up from a veteran last year and an Austin wins, believe it or not. It's always, it's always <laughs> so funny talking with players and, you know, saying, Hey, Hey, who made a lasting impact on you? And, you know, like Ryan McMahon talks very highly of, of Daniel Murphy and, and Ian Desmond, you know, and, and mm -hmm. some of the relievers will go back and talk about a, a Jake McGee or, uh, or, or Wade Davis, Brian Shaw, things of that nature. And, and for Brent Doyle, Hey, Austin wins was a guy that really told me I need to snack more during the game and that was ultimately something you know he had never thought about you know Doyle lost about 20 pounds over the course of the season he's running out to center field I've heard something mm -hmm. like uh whether it's right or left field because look if you're if you're starting 162 games let's say depending on the ballpark if you're leaving from the, the third base dugout first base dugout left field right field you're probably running about the same but it can be upwards of about five miles uh, that I've heard that they, they, they're jogging back and forth and running the bases. Uh, so he, you know, Doyle lost 20 pounds and, you know, put it back on, uh, for, for the start of the season. So he's going to need to snack more and, and do different things. And so, you know, these guys are, are kind of learning a little bit about that. You know, what, what's, what's Albuquerque going to be like, what can I expect when I go there? Uh, what are some, some things that, that you did? to be successful when you were in Hartford. So, you know, they're exchanging all of those things They're They've, they've got a good group together where they're, they're trying to build off each other's chemistry and, and a lot of the success that they've had at the lower levels, but it's, it's really been about those young guys chomping at the bit and some of the veterans maybe taking, you know, those steps forward, you know, Ryan McMahon, certainly by, by no means is a spring chicken, but you still get the sense that there might be one more step 
that he could possibly unlock. Like, is he going to get to 30 homers and 100 RBI? If he does that, it's not going to be a surprise. But until he does that, that's still another level mm-hmm. that he might be able to unlock. Can Kyle Freeland, you know, certainly not get back to that fourth place finish for the Cy Young Award like he did in 2018? But can he get halfway back to that uh, and lead that staff? Uh, can Can Gomber stay healthy for an entire year? Cal Quantrill is, is also a big buzz about the team. You know, he knows the NL West from his days with the Padres. You know, he, he was able to unlock some things in that final month with, uh, with with the Guardians in September, and the shoulder was really starting to feel better. So I think there's some some hope that he could he could really help lead the staff. I, I could even see him being the best starting pitcher, you know, on the 2024 Rockies. So a lot of those stories about you know guys individually playing well because I, I think we know as as a team they're not really going to be in the hunt in any capacity. So it's going to be about each individual guy taking you know whatever steps they need to go forward to, you know, further solidify themselves in the big leagues or even just reach the majors. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. And, and something that they were talking about on the broadcast the other day, you know, of, of looking to that example of what the Diamondbacks were able to do last year of pretty young team, you know, coming off those losses. Oh, we can point to the, the Rangers and Orioles and some of these other teams, but I think the Diamondbacks are that closest comparison the Rockies can make. Is that kind of the sense you're getting too, if they can kind of follow in the footsteps of the Diamondbacks? And yeah, what the... yeah. Everybody around baseball, I think, is is trying to replicate that. You know, those young guys coming up at the same time and supplementing with with big leaguers. And Diamondbacks went and did it again this off season, enough mm-hmm. where you think that they're they're going to be able to stick around here for a second year in a row. Uh, I feel like we've seen it a lot in the last 10, 15 years, where there's a young team that kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, and, and, and is good maybe a year early before you expect it. And then the next year they take a step back happened with the Astros where they made the postseason. I'm not sure what that first year was for them. Maybe it was 2014 and then 2015, mm-hmm. they, they missed out before going on a run. Uh, you know, the Reds last year where what they were 82 and 80 and you go, all right, they're going to take another step forward. If they slip back this year before, you know, you know, maybe getting back into contention and making the postseason in 2025, you know, that very well could could happen. Um, but I think the Diamondbacks have done a good job of, of bringing in those veteran guys so they, they don't you know fall backwards if those young guys don't take another step. As far as the Rockies are concerned, I don't think they have all of those young pieces up you know just yet. You know I, I think they're still uh, this was supposed to be that year where they bridge the gap and then maybe mm-hmm. in 2025 they contend and it just seems like they're still probably another year away. Uh, the bats, you know, from from what I hear from other teams, like the bats, the lineup uh, definitely is a lot more potent than the rotation. It's going to mm-hmm. happen when you when you don't have Marquez and Senzatella. Um, yeah. So, you know, do they take that big step in twenty twenty five, perhaps? But I don't know that we're going to necessarily see that this year. Maybe in the second half. Maybe in the second yeah. half is when they they end up doing it. When you know they move a couple pieces, a couple of veteran guys. They don't really have too many trade chips uh, when you look at their expiring contracts. Uh, but then when those young guys come up in the second half, maybe maybe they're able to kind of you know bridge that gap just a little bit and say, all right, well we didn't make the postseason, but if you look at what our record was, it was you know an 84 win team in the second half, uh, and then they're able to kind of feel good about themselves in 2025 uh, and look a little bit like the Diamondbacks. So they're they're trying to do those things. Bill Schmidt has said that in the past, you know, a year ago, like hey, we're trying to do what they are. We feel like we're a year behind. It seems like they're uh, more like a year and a half, two years behind where the Diamondbacks are at this point. 
Makes sense. Go ahead, Evan. Well, because because what I wonder, um, the the Rockies, I feel like, are a little bit more veteran heavy still. But I wonder if there are there are any guys out you know outside of the guys that we've already spoken about outside of the guys that we already know are going to be on the team in terms of young guys Nolan Jones Brenton Doyle Montero probably makes the opening day roster but I'm talking some of the young young guys who maybe you've interacted with a little bit so far or you've just seen them work and you can look at them and go that's a guy who is going to be up here in the second half. I think Jordan Beck's probably that that top guy for the the Rockies. You see how how quickly he was able to move last year and his his first full season um, has already been, you know, producing at the uh, in, in in spring camp, right? You know, uh, with, with a nice double there against some some big league quality pitching and in, in Connor Pilkington. So, you know, I think that that's impressive. You know, has the has the pedigree, an SEC guy out of the University of Tennessee. So, I feel like you know his hiccups at Double A last year might not have been as bad as as some other players. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I, I reported on in, in that media day was, uh, you know, Bill Schmidt wasn't necessarily too concerned with the fact that they're they're basically four outfielders right now that you'd probably say, you know, need to start the year at double a, we, we saw Beck, Yankee Fernandez uh, and Zach Veen finish their year uh, in double a Veen's, you know, season ended early uh, with, with the surgery there. Um, but Benny Montgomery, you know, he showed what he was able uh, needed, what he needed to do in high a. So he's going to start the year in double a that's four guys that in double a that, that play the outfield. Okay. You got the DH spot, but, where does Sterling Thompson play? Because Adele Amador is already at second base, mm-hmm. uh, and Thompson out over at third base isn't quite a fit. So you've you've got uh, oh, what is the math? You've got six guys for for like four spots. You know what, whatever that math is. So someone's going to have to move quick and and kind of go up to Albuquerque uh, to to just free up some room so that there's mm-hmm. plenty of playing time for all those guys. But I see I see Beck as that player. I think you know Veen is is looking right. Um, you know I think Veen's gonna gonna be up. Uh, Veen probably will be first, but I think I think we see Beck kind of once he's up, he's he's going to be here for good. Uh, because as you point out, for for a team that lost 103 games last year, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of room for players um, to mm-hmm. to get uh, regular playing time like last year, right? Jones, Doyle, and Tovar. I mean, those are those are three spots right there that were wide open. Now all of a sudden, it seems like they're uh, a little bit closed. I think I think Brent Doyle has 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 his work cut out for him. I mean, you got a gold glove center fielder um, that has a ton of value, but if you do want to contend, you do need to get more out of his bat than than you did last year. Had two hits, you know, in that opening game. One was just a little dribbler. Uh, I think he is the bat's going to be a lot more potent than last year because he really only had about fifty-one plate appearances or so above Double A before he got called up last year. So uh, Beck and Vina, I think, are probably the two biggest guys. Adel Amador, it'll be interesting to see what he does this spring if he can kind of do what Ezekiel Tovar did in twenty twenty-two, where mm-hmm. he said, "Hey, here's the guy. Let's get a first good look," and he was incredibly impressive. We got to see him at the end of 2022. Would have probably seen him a lot sooner if it was not for that groin injury. So, you know, maybe Adel Amador is that big surprise. Uh, and he's he's been getting a lot of playing time. He's getting that opportunity to go ahead and prove it. So um, he, he could be that dark horse uh, to, to come up and, and really jump up. And, hey, if Brendan Rodgers gets traded at the deadline, there will be that room for Amador in the second half. Mm-hmm. One question that I wanted to ask here as we continue to run out of time here. Uh, what do the Rockies do with... Elaris Montero, 
because uh, I think that's one of the bigger issues and, and you know tasks to do lists in spring training is to figure out what are we doing with Montero because he's out of options, needs to find a place to actually play, and we're we're not having to shuffle the lineup a ton every single day. But uh, what what's the vibe you're getting of your own thoughts on what do we do with Montero? What's going to happen with Montero? Yeah, it's hard, as you said. With you know, options are you can't just have a guy shuttling back and forth I twenty five, you know, each and every month, similar to what he did last year and, and went out and won the May Player of the Month in the the Pacific Coast League. I don't think he really has much to prove. I think he, he just needs to go out there and get regular playing time. That's going to be hard with Chris Bryant at first. Now, uh, you know, Schmidt did say that basically, you know, Montero and, and any of the right fielders, whether it's, you know, Bouchard, Goodman, or Tolley on the roster, will kind of, you know, uh, switch off and on. Uh, but then the next day, Buddy said, like, no, we're, we, we might be using Brian a little bit more in right field. Like, if Montero's hitting at first base and Blackman's hitting, well, he's your DH. So now Bryant would then have to go out to right field, or maybe he just gets, you know, an off day. And maybe that's how you, you keep him fresh and you know, I don't know if they're going to be handling Bryant in that way with with kid gloves, or if they'll be handling Blackman with kid gloves. But uh, you got to let the kid wear the glove over at first mm-hmm. base because I think Montero can hit. You know, I, I think um, he's he's shown that uh, when he gets regular playing time. Because when he doesn't, you know, that, that's what's so hard about so many young players is how do you learn to become a bench player? How do you learn to, you know, stay fresh when you're not in there every day? That's the value of sending a guy back to triple a rather than sitting on the bench, say what you will about Nolan Jones getting called up in April of last year and then not playing. Well, you know, he, he probably should have at least played one game just to at least get that out of the way. Um, but if, you know, it, it's better for him to go down in triple a uh, and stay sharp than to sit on the bench. And so in, in a way that, that definitely seemed to have worked out. So um, I'm, I'm hoping that Montero does get a lot of playing time and that, that Brian is fresh enough that he can play some right field. Cause I think that provides the best, you know, punch in, in, in the lineup. That being said, if, if Montero needs a day and then Bryant's at first, and then you've got Goodman or Tolia in right or Bouchard, like again, any of those three guys, you could really go and say, Hey, there's, there's a potential for 20 home runs in the bat for, uh, for Goodman or Tolia. You might even, you know, bump that up to 25. So I guess that's a good problem to have, but at a certain point, it could be a bad problem because I think these guys need to be playing every single day and you, you've got to figure out you're like, Hey, this is the guy that we're going to ride with. Uh, and then if you're not going to ride with someone, you know, uh, maybe that becomes a, a valuable trade chip. You know, you're not yeah. going to get a ton for a guy that you've decided is not going to be in your lineup every day. Uh, but maybe you can get something for him rather than, you know, letting him waste away. So, yeah, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they're able to manage that because that would be a shame for um, Montero's potential, and there's still plenty in there to to go completely wasted. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's so it's so frustrating for me because it really is the the right field first base crew: Sean Bouchard, Michael Tolia, Alaris Montero, and Hunter Goodman, who have really struggled to get big league playing time in any consistent matter. Where you know Michael Tolia. You know, we've talked about how this is a make or break year for him. He only appeared in 45 games last year and had like a hundred some at bats. And it's the same with Montero. You know, I wrote about last week about how he's just never really had any consistent playing time. And then at the end of the season, all of a sudden he gets all this time and shows, Hey, look, I can hit. 
and he can hit because when he makes good contact, he obliterates that ball. He's a big, strong man. And, you know, he's made tweaks to his, his stance, he's made tweaks to his plate approach. He's done a lot of really interesting things. And yet now we're entering yet another year where it's like, well, where is he going to find playing time? And that's what's so frustrating about how, you know, this Chris Bryant contract is really hamstrung this organization. Mm-hmm. One of the other elements, too, for um, El Harris Montero is that he is an excellent clubhouse guy. He is friends with everybody in that clubhouse. He just brings this, I don't want to say relaxed nature, because that almost just seems as like, oh, like he, he might not care. No, it's just, he's just calm, confidence. He'll talk to anybody. He'll say hi to, to anyone. He's he's friends with, with everybody. And he just um, almost has a... Um, a a swagger about him that's uh you know it, it's unique uh it, it's not over the top swagger it's just a, a confidence that i think breeds confidence of of those that are around him and his, his teammates love him he loves his teammates so he's kind of almost taken over that that helm that carlos estevez had and you know you saw you know what the angels were able to uh how they you know valued him uh, both as a as a late inning guy and in a bullpen and as a clubhouse guy. So, you know, I, I think teams, you know, who, who know about that uh, either from, from former Rockies or uh, from hearing about it from the press or just, just other baseball folks. Uh, I, I think they would, they would also value Montero that, that, you know, 30 homer potential, you know, with everyday mm-hmm. playing time, if you want to stick it out uh, with him over at first base DH kind of guy, uh, as well as, you know, what he brings to a clubhouse. So, yeah. Um he's he's a good one. He's a good one. I, I think it does say a lot about his clubhouse presence when you think about when he was struggling last year and and Hensley Mullins had that you know that that clubhouse meeting with all the hitters to talk about things where it's very clear that everybody had his back especially when he opened up about you know that he was he was struggling and he was feeling bad cuz he felt like he wasn't contributing to the team. He was letting people down the fact that you know, basically everybody had his his back at that point. And you know, that's the kind of the kind of guy that everybody that he has everybody's back and everybody's gonna have his back is a really good um presence that you want to have in a clubhouse. So I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. Mm-hmm. And I would I would think the Rockies would have, have somewhat more of a vested interest uh in, in him having success because, you know, frankly he's you know he's part of the Nolan Arenado deal. So I mean that's that's gotta make them feel you know, really good. So uh, you, you probably want to give him that opportunity to, to give you a little bit of a pat on the back, uh, which, which we know they like to do sometimes when it comes to, to things like this. So yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it, how it shakes out because uh, as we're saying, we're, we're talking a lot about those, the corner outfield corner infield type guys um, that have a ton of upside. And so you, you understand that you want to give Brenton Doyle some days in center field, but if, if Brand, Bradley Zimmer is making the roster just for his defense in center, you know, that is taking a very valuable spot away from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Some we keep talking about log jams on the Rockies roster. Something's got to give eventually. And I think that's something hopefully you know, do right by those players too. If you don't have room for them and you know, they just don't fit into your plans, like Montero, maybe, you know, be able to, to bite that bullet and like, you know, we see what we can get for him somewhere. Like he kind of mentioned, if maybe they can develop into a trade chip. Yeah. I'll say this. There, there's a very good follow on, on X that uh, he just came out of nowhere. 
they're they're basically trying to do the Jay Cuda thing uh, in in a professional manner. It's called Brooksgate. Brooks mm-hmm. underscore gate. You've probably seen it. I, I I know we've kind of shared these things online, um, but there was a good one today that I just saw before we went on air. MLB players with all of the letters in <laughs> the team's nickname that they play for. Only seven teams are represented by eight players, uh, and the Rockies are on that list. What player on the Rockies that has a, an invitation to big league camp? So maybe that's a hint. So he's he's one of the sixty-seven. Contains every letter of Rockies. Oh no! <laughs> yes. So I actually know what it is because uh, I have because I have seen this tweet. It's good. All right. So Skyler, it, the pressure. Oh is no! On you. So he's oh, not boy. a he's not a forty man roster guy. So we've already narrowed it down to twenty seven. Oh no! So I we're will making give you it even worse for you if you can't get it. <laughs> I will give you a hint in that he played today. Oh no! <laughs> He was on the big league roster last year, but that's not much of a help. He was very <laughs> briefly on the big uh, big league roster last year. Uh, he debuted. That was actually his major league debut. I believe it was in Connor Cincinnati. Kaiser? Hey! Hey! <laughs> bing, 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 bing. There you go. That's Connor it. Connor Kaiser. Contains I- all the letters of the word Rockies. And tune in because this week Skylar Timmons is going to give you the full list of every member of the Rockies who also had all the letters in Rockies <laughs> in their name. Is that right, Skylar? Uh, no. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> no, thank you. Sunday night homework. That's what this is. <laughs> yeah, well, we can always count on Patrick for a random trivia thing. You know what? I'm going to look that up right now, actually. I. Uh, I Ralph S. Poteet High School in Mesquite, Texas. Maybe. There's got to be some guys that maybe are are close. Can you think of anyone that has – I mean, his initials are CK. So is is that somewhat of a – Carlos Estevez? Uh, Brooks Kieschnick. Ooh. I think, Brooks Ke- I think no, you're right. I am correct. Brooks wow. has all the letters of Rockies. I tip my cap to you. That is very good. <laughs> Thank you. Brooks my Pal- weird fixation with this dude who played like 20 games with the Rockies 20 years ago is finally paying off. The original uh, Rockies Otani. That's it. He could do it both ways. Yeah, there's probably others, but that's a good one. Brooks Kieschnick, you got it. Scott, is there are the wheels working in your head right now? Or are you trying to try to find more guys? No, I'm still trying to look up the list that you guys mentioned. Uh, uh, s- underscore gate. It's a good one. So while Skyler thinks about his homework that he's going to have for for this next week, that's going to do that's going to about do it for us here on Affected by Altitude. Uh, Patrick, thank you so much for joining us again. As always, always a delight to have you on the show. Uh, where can the folks find you at and what are you working on right now? Yeah. At just baseball, uh, at just BB underscore media on, on X, writing a little bit about the Rockies, a little bit about the Dodgers and, and just other things going on, uh, in the world. Uh, you know, Scott Boris, those, those free agents, when they wait until February and, and March, he does not get a lot of money uh, for those guys. He gets less than expected. So I, I wrote about that, and we just saw Cody Bellinger get signed, and 
Uh, it's, it's another piece of evidence there to suggest that waiting isn't exactly better for his clients. Maybe it's better for him, but it's not exactly uh, better for for his clients. So I'm having a good time covering, you know, a lot more than than just the Rockies. Uh, but you know what? I, I do kind of miss just zoning in on on one team and and all the minutia. Like, why didn't I know that Connor Kaiser, you know, has all the letters of Rockies? I, I feel like <laughs> I've kind of let Rockies fans down on that one, and I, I can't afford to have that happen again. Well, it's always a delight having you on the show. If you ever Thank want you. to. Uh, want to focus in on the Rockies uh you know you got a spot here with us on the show uh so thanks again for joining us uh Skyler how about you where can the folks find you at on the on the socials and what are you working on right now find me over at uh on x uh formerly known as twitter at sideline underscore crowd uh and writing for fans first sports media as well as writing wednesday rock piles for purple com. and so it's just a matter of figuring out more ideas of what to write. So you can always go check those. There's usually a daily article over on Fans First, some random MLB thing, just putting out my random thoughts. I and think, you can, sorry, oh, go ahead. sorry. I, this is super important. I, I have to say, this is breaking news. Derek Gibson, I believe all the letters in his name make Rockies. I think you're right. Cause he spelled Derek CK, right? Correct. All right, now we're just waiting on you, Evan. <laughs> Evan, you got you got to come up with one, or else you can't you can't play. I anything. did. It was Brooks Keish. Oh yeah, you did. I right. Sorry, that was like minutes ago. You expect me to remember that? I'm a goldfish. Sorry. Apparently, <laughs> uh, but you can find me on Twitter. No, I will never call it X. It's Twitter at uh, Evan underscore Lang two seven. I'm also that on Threads and Instagram. Uh, you can find me on Blue Sky at uh, Evan Lang two seven dot bsky dot social. Follow Rocky Mountain Rooftop on Twitter and on YouTube at Rocky Mountain Rooftop. That's at R O C K Y M T N Rooftop. We'll have Instagram on that too. Oh, that's right. We do have the Instagram set up now. Nice. Instagram. Uh, so go ahead and give us a follow on there as well. Uh, I'll start taking I, pictures of my meals. Start taking pictures of other people's meals. Just bother people at restaurants. Let me <laughs> take a picture of your food. Uh, and then uh, I'm doing the rock piles still. I'm actually officially switching to Mondays. Uh, so if you're listening to this on Monday, day of release, you hopefully have read my rock pile already. Um, but Thank you so much, as always, for listening to us. We appreciate each and every one of you, especially that one guy in uh, New Providence in the Bahamas. Uh, still waiting for you to reach out to us. But that's going to do it here on Affected by Altitude. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Enjoy the baseball. Uh, Patrick, will you hit him with it for us, please? Farewell. Hey. Is <laughs> that, that it? Yeah, good enough. The gist of it. <laughs> <laughs>